0: Hello, everybody. Um, I just want to welcome you into the space. Uh, I am, I guess, your host (laughs) for the evening or on this project. I have titled No One. Uh, My name is AJ. I want to thank you for being here. I would also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land I am speaking to you on. I live in, I sleep on. I am raising my daughter on the land of the Daruk Nation, um, a tribe that uh, experienced unfortunate um, brutality uh, throughout the process or waves of colonization. So I would like to acknowledge um, their presence and and their land, um, and I'd like to thank them for having me. I would also like to acknowledge um, everyone tonight, wherever you may be tuning in, I would like to acknowledge all the indigenous um, uh, nations around this beautiful continent, and the fact that their mechanisms of perseverance uh, and preservation of the land uh, allows us to enjoy its beauty today. Um, So before we get into um, our topic of tonight, I wanted to um, introduce my project, No One. Now, quite a few of you have asked, what does it mean? Why is this whole podcast or this this body of work referred to as No One? Um, This is a name where I kind of kicked off with my TikTok. It has a multitude of different reasons why I I like this name, but I guess one of the most important ones is um, being an Indigenous woman or an Aboriginal woman growing up, I was always told, oh, you'll be no one or people just assume that we'll amount to nothing or most importantly, in that moment, they see us as nobody. So I have flipped it around and I like to take a lot of ownership from that name and also the other element to no one is I am no one. Um, in Aboriginal law or culture and law, L-O-R-E, I am no one. I am not an elder, I am not a a law woman, I am not a medicine woman or a healer, I am no one. I am a 28 year old black woman going on my own journey and I like that idea of being no one. I am um, in in constant uh, admiration of my aunts, my uncles, my older cousins, cousins, sisters, cousins, brothers, um you know uh, elders um in our community. so i'm nobody i'm just a young i'm a i'm, I'm a young blood or a young one coming up i am nobody um in relation to the knowledge and the respect and the the admiration i have for aboriginal elders or even the pioneers in our community in any capacity um so we also have that element to no one but i also like the, the name no one because um You know, there's so much power behind a name. And I I think when we give names specific things, or specific names rather, there's so much power behind that. And I like the name, no one, because this body of work is gonna be whatever you want it to be. This body of work is is interpretive. It can be whatever you want, if that makes sense. So I like to draw strength from that, that this is no one. This is is no one's project. This is everyone's project. And you're so free um, to interpret it however you may please. Um, so it's kind of got a bit of name. It's got a lot of meaning to it. But let's move on to the, from that now because I could probably talk about the the um, name no one for quite a while. Um, but we're going to get in today's podcast. So this episode is titled Black Love. Now, if you have not had the opportunity. I would like to encourage you to please go and listen to the first episode um, called Black Love. Um, this podcast is very important to me. It is a big moment, or this episode, sorry, is a very big moment in my, uh, I guess, podcasting career because I am really delving into areas and spaces that I have avoided. Um, over the last couple of weeks I've working I've been working really hard on, on social media sharing and discussing and presenting different topics that I've never felt comfortable to do so before and I would like to do the same with this podcast I would like to take the, the the risk and the chance and the and the big dive um with discussing you know my black heartbreak probably one of the most intimate one of the most personal conversations I could ever imagine to have talking about the failed relationship with um, Um, a man i've loved deeply and and the father of my daughter um and i want to do this for for a purpose i want to do this because women like me are left out of these spaces women like me are not able to speak about love romance heartbreak sex desire passion all of it, um, beauty or romance, um, all of it. Uh, we're not able. We're, not, we're never provided the opportunity to speak about these things, and I just can't keep waiting around. So this this podcast series or episodes or no one, whatever title whatever Western word you want to use, this is my opportunity to talk about what I want to talk about. This is my opportunity to um, really have the have the guts um, to step out and speak. So without any further <laughs> ado, we're going to get into Black Heartbreak. Um, so for me as an Indigenous woman, um, the concept of love in, in, in relation to my families, the two Indigenous families that I've grown up with, love and heartbreak is not something that we really get into. Now, let me be crystal clear. Whenever you hear me speak about anything, I am not speaking on behalf of all Indigenous people. If you are a non-Indigenous person, and even if you are an Indigenous person, it is vital that you... Um, tap into multiple different sources you know in the western world or even the white world you don't look at just one person to speak to you about whiteness we understand that there's multitude of different lived experiences or interpretations and and that needs to be applied to the black space so when I'm talking about things I'm talking about my experience I know women relate to me I know women connect to me and men Men connect to me as well, so I'd like to think that some of my thoughts are um, in commonality with other Indigenous people and also my lived experience. So again, um, love and heartbreak and romance and all of these things are not common things that are discussed within my family it is not common things that I discuss with my sisterhood or my sisters in my family um, and abroad in friendship groups as well you know we don't delve into relationships we don't delve into love or the crux of things all the time if we do speak on it it is um, a process or it is a journey or that or that individual may be providing reflection Um, and I think that has a lot to do with our current position in society being black people that are trying to survive contemporary genocide being uh, one of the first generations such as myself and like I'm saying countless indigenous people we are the first generation that aren't born on missions, that aren't born on traditional land, we may be dispossessed in various um, capacities so recognising that we are in this, um, you know the mechanical processes of uh, contemporary genocide and it is very brutal, it is a a new type of uh, colonization that our parents and their parents did not experience. So, you know, when you're going through something so traumatic and and hostile at times, it can be very difficult, I guess, to delve into these type of conversations. And I wanna talk about that because I think it's so important to understand the landscape around, or the landscape that we are being expected to navigate in 2020, and understanding that conversations like love, like a, a loss, like a heartbreak, like, you know lust or all of these types of things are not always priority if that makes sense now I also want to get into that and um be very crystal clear, if you've listened to Black Love, you would understand that my, or the individual I'm talking about in this uh, conversational speech or area, um, he is not Indigenous. Um, He is from the African diaspora, uh, belonging to West Africa, Sierra Leone. And I'm not going to get into the ins and outs of his identity, um, because to be quite frank, it it does not matter. This is my story, (laughs) and this is my journey. Um, But I do want to identify that, you know, my daughter's father is non indigenous, he's um, not black uh, in the sense he does belong to the um, African diaspora, he is a man of colour and that itself and a refugee at that and that has played a big part in our relationship and I believe a large factor to the black heartbreak result. So getting into it, one of the first points I wanted to discuss and go really hard in is with this notion of colonisation now over many years this relationship has spanned over 10 years next year so this is not something new this is not something that's just the cat's drug in this is a this has been a continued process on my behalf and his to try and make it work Um, We've tried from many different perspectives, many different approaches, um, many different homes, different suburbs, different ways of living and ways of being, but a common denominator has been this notion of colonisation. And through my experience of trying to love a a man of colour from a country that has been brutally colonised, such as Sierra Leone, um, understanding that the colonisation has not stopped. He may have left the continent of Africa. He may have left his hometown or his motherland. But that um, process of dispossession, that process of becoming a refugee is, in fact, colonisation. So trying to love a man that is... Experiencing colonisation in a different way that you are, Uh, I am still on the motherland, I am still at the forefront of this beast of uh, contemporary colonisation, is a very, very difficult task. Um, Learning about and being compassionate for and having understanding for, um, his uh, journey uh, takes energy, it takes a lot of um, uh, empathy, and at times, I haven't had that. At times I have not had the time and energy for anyone else except myself and my child, if that makes sense. Um, And even just thinking, reflecting on the last 10 years of my life, uh, trying to love this individual, I have had so much, I have had, the most terrible news. I have had traumatic events, trauma after trauma. I've sustained so much from a 19 year old woman. And now I'm turning into a 29 year old next year. This co- a process of colonization has, has really um, come down on me like a ton of bricks. And I feel like that's a very common thing. You know, when you start to learn about society, you start learning about the ways that it's been created. Um, you kind of had this, this woke moment. And I feel like I'm having those repetitively when I'm speaking to community when I'm learning about mob and other stories and uh, hearing about the policies and governmental decisions that are being made and seeing the ramification of uh, ramifications of those on on the people and such things as police brutality and the continued deaths and, and um, black deaths in custody or black deaths by pursuit um, those have a long-standing impact and at the time my partner was very supportive attending um, protests and supporting me in the process of those um, monumental events in my life and that is hard it is very hard to expect a a man of color to come into a space and, and love you and hold you and support you and go through grief and go through loss and go through the trauma and go through all of that that is a lot to expect a man to support you and go through if that makes sense but that is what's required that energy and that effort is what is required to love a black woman i want to take a moment for that because it does not always work like that love does not always uh love is not always or people do not always have the capacity to be able to do that you know and that is an important point i want to make you guys is it's so great to talk about what you need but it's difficult to talk about, are you going to get it? And that can be said for him, I'm sure that can be said for countless other people that belong to different diasporas or minority groups or groups that have been greatly um, marginalized and dispossessed, it is not easy to come into a space, come into a home or come into an arrangement and have the capacity to support, nourish, appreciate, cherish, and appropriately um, discuss these manners or matters. Now, the other point I wanted to talk about, so, is understanding the role of gender, understanding the role of a man and woman, and if you are non-gender binary, understanding those roles understanding the concept of masculine or masculinity and femininity um understanding and especially being a heteronormative or a heterosexual whatever you want to call it um dynamic i don't want to speak for other collectives but i do want to pull on heartstrings or um emotions i don't want uh my heteronormative normativity to to push you or make you feel like you can't relate to this because hopefully there are sentiments that everyone can can tap into and that's human nature um but like i'm saying this this concept of masculine femininity and i'd like to say that all of us have it in us all men and all women have these these kind of elements and that is how problematic uh western gender roles are because men have femininity in them women have masculinity in them and we've been told not to have that since we're little little girls since we can even understand learning our colors we're learning about gender roles we're learning about gender in a very damaging way and you may think what the hell does this have relevancy in relation to black love it has everything to do with it it has everything to do with it because we're talking about children that are growing up and seeing dolls with white, with uh, white skin, blue eyes, and blonde hair. We're seeing, you know, Ken and Barbie. We're seeing um, cartoons, white cartoons. We're seeing white news presenters. We're seeing, you know, no color and no representation. And that's only happening now. And it's 2020. That's only happening now. The uh, it is so scary. The um, it's terrifying to think about the white. Um, white domination in this country it's so scary and it's we have to we have to think about the impacts that my childhood had on the appreciation for myself and the appreciation i have for black men because i didn't see them i didn't see gender roles i didn't see and what i'm saying see of course i see my father but that's different i did not see them on television i did not see them in society i did not see them on the news and what impact does that have on all I am is provided is whiteness? So well, that's one part of the gender roles. But the other point I wanted to talk about was gender roles in cultures or gender roles in um, ways of living and ways in existing. Because my culture today as an Indigenous woman, it is not the same culture that it was before the British arrived it's not the same culture it was when my mum was growing up culture is forever changing but there are elements that are substantial there are elements that will never change there are elements that are pillars okay now this one of these elements is for a majority of indigenous communities or nations, tribes, uh, it is uh, matriarchal, so the woman is leading, the woman is making decisions and if that goes down to, for example, our uh, living, you know, many Indigenous communities, you would have men and women camps, so the men would be in the men camp, the woman and the children would be in another, so the woman would be responsible for, for providing care to their children up to the right age and then the boys would go. uh, men and fathers and you can imagine um so that in itself shows the control or the the ownership or the protection or the responsibility that women had over the most prized possession which is children we looked after our children we slept with them we provide we took care of them we taught them what they're the most earliest years and anyone in early childcare will know these years are the most uh, important i believe it's like up till six um the neuroplasticity their learning capacity is very important at that age group so we come from a matriarchal society women can be healers they can be hunters they can be um, medicine men and women they can be a lot of different roles They can be the head of family. Um, And in my partners, it was very different. Um, Yes, women are valued and appreciated and so cherished in their community, but they are um, a male-led or a male-dominated community. And any West Africans that are speaking right now, my at is 8983AJ. Please feel free to inbox me. Um, Again, I'm not speaking for all West Africans, but my partner's family was very much so like that. Um, or his upbringing was very much like that. So again, we were seeing a clash of cultures. Now, also my religion, is um, my Aboriginal faith, so I follow my Barkandji religion and um, the teachings that I have learnt from my father. Um, my mum's side of the family, unfortunately, experienced a very um, heartbreaking form of colonisation coming from the largest and oldest mission, Sherberg, um, in the country. Um, unfortunately, just has has unfortunately lost a lot of that knowledge, and we're working at revitalising it. But my dad has always been a wealth of knowledge in relation to learning about spirituality and culture so that is what the faith I follow and my daughter's father um, is uh, Islamic or Muslim so again you can see the different um, understandings of family of home of gender roles of society and um, that definitely played a big part but I want to go beyond that. I want to transcend faith or religion or spirituality. I want to transcend culture. I want to transcend nationality and race. I really want to delve down into human nature. I really want to delve down into uh, organic ways of being. And what I mean, that, what I'm talking about, that I'm talking about what you see as a child. I want to break it down before we have the conscious understanding of faith of religion of this or that I want to talk about lived experience so what is it like for children growing up how does what you see impact what you see is normal and pretty much most of us will know that what we see we normalize it what we see is is becomes for many of us a reality or our attitudes to those types of subjects areas are normalized so for me growing up um, the kind of normal nuclear family definitely was not the case. Um, For me, um, seeing a two-parent household at times was not always um, what I was seeing. and that had an impact on what I felt like was normal. That had an impact on my upbringing and the same for my daughter's father. And I'm not going to get into it because my parents and his parents, um, they're not up for discussion. Um, being a black woman, privacy and respect of my parents and honouring my parents and honouring his parents, um, my daughter's grandparents, is, is, it's not on the table. But I will nod to that um, around understanding um, the complexities of your childhood and seeing home life and seeing what you see as normal so him and I saw very different um, normal normalcy and you know we need to throw things in there like um, extensive work so working away um, having different cultural upbringings different approaches to the nine to five sometimes uh, longer work hours or different jobs can take you away from your family so all of these different types of elements coming into the household and um, being able to communicate what our childhoods were like was something that was not easy to do it was not something that was comfortable to do and it was a very painful experience so and the other concept I wanted to talk about was love so I mentioned it earlier when I was talking about discussing with my sister girls talking about um, talking about how we don't always get into you know relationships and what we want and what are our goals and when do you want to get married and when you you know most black women I talk to we don't talk like that we don't have five-year plans we don't sit with our boyfriends and figure out oh what's appropriate for him to ask me to marry me or when is it appropriate for me to be it doesn't work like that for many black people in this black realm we don't we don't move like that um so the concept of love or what it means to be loved um is very again another topic that's not always divulged it's not something we sit down and and talk about well he makes me feel loved because he does this or he makes me feel appreciated or he likes this um it was only very recently i learned about like love languages or acts of service and all these types of things literally like 12 months ago i never it was such a foreign concept to me to think that my partner was showing me love by doing little jobs around the house like taking the rubbish out or take, checking the um, tire pressure or um i don't know uh, taking my daughter to the park for uh, 20 minutes extra because he knew i was stressed out i never saw Saw acts of love like that. Think about that. Think about the ramifications that has on black and brown people of colour where we don't even know that. We are not provided with the opportunity to evaluate and appreciate the love that is being shown and most importantly, the love that we are providing And that itself is the process of colonisation where we are so in such a state of disarray or we are so cut off from mainstream um, society. So we're not able to understand um, or access knowledge around love. Um, You know, we can't. Evaluate it. We can't appreciate it, and that is colonization. Because having any group or collective of people so um, disconnected from themselves, from human being, from uh, human beings, from emotions, is problematic. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about entire generations, such as my families, where love where marriage, where uh, home life was not prioritized. You were viewed as labor. You were viewed as uh, providing money to the mission. You were seen as being money to the station or the hospital that you worked at or whatever capacity indentured labor you were in. Because I need to get into this with Black Heartbreak. I need to recognize What my aunties, what my nana were doing, they were slaves. So I am the first generation that is not in that sense or that horror, but I'm in a new type of horror because now I'm um, having to navigate the impacts of colonization, the impacts or the, the preventative measures that were taken from the Australian government to prevent us from being able to be well-rounded, adjusted individuals to the modernisation, globalisation of this country. And that is a very painful process to go through to recognise that not only you, but the man that you love, The odds are stacked against you. Now, another thing I wanted to talk about is pressure. So all relationships, it does not matter what race you are. It does not matter, um, you know, what your class is, pressure. Pressure in a relationship is everything, um, everything that everyone goes through. But imagine, try to picture the pressure of, dispossessed collectives, refugees, marginalised, Indigenous, LGBTQI+, non-gender, binary collectives or normative, communities with disability or ability. Imagine what it's like trying to be loved, trying to love, belonging to that diaspora, but then also having a partner that belongs to that. Because that is an amalgamation. That becomes a whole lot of pressure. And that's not something that has ever been discussed with me. No one ever warned me to love you, AJ or Alicia. To love you, Alicia, that man is going to have to feel what you feel. Is gonna to have to understand what you're going through. And I wouldn't wish what I go through on my worst enemy. I wouldn't. As a, as a woman, a black one in this country at that, I wouldn't wish it on anyone. And it is bitter to even sit here with you now and discuss my failed relationship and repetitively failed relationship. To sit here and discuss it with you is painful. It's very difficult. And I would like to pay honor to my daughter's father for coming into my life. I would like to pay respect to his family as well, who welcomed me with open arms and have supported us repetitively. Because this has never been easy. The the everyday life of me, you know, for example, driving with police and my fear of police, he couldn't believe it. Oh, just come on, don't be scared, they're not going to do anything. You've got your license, or when I had my peas, you've got your plates on, just relax. And me communicating to him, I cannot relax. Do not say that to me. That in itself is triggering. Or even seeing police around. Or being treated like shit and him seeing it. Or him coming to these protests, coming to these rallies, coming to these funerals making him understand. Because until until you begin to appreciate participation of your partner in your black love, you will never be able to heal from your black heartbreak. And I've talked about the parenting or the gender roles in relation to my experience as a child and his, but I also have to pay, I, have to, I also have to pay respect or talk about gender roles in relation to our child, because navigating that in itself in relation to each other is very, very different to having a child, so bringing your child into this and being like, okay, so what are you going to do, what am I going to do, what do we want this to look like, what's yours? And I think that is the end of this podcast episode. This is my black heartbreak, guys. As messy, as ugly, as all over the place it may be, I want to thank you for listening. I hope you've taken something away from tonight's yarn and I can't wait to have many more. Thanks, guys. Goodbye.